Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. This week, we're going to run through a draft scenario, and that is what if Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz happen to be off the board when the Suns come up to pick? So we'll be breaking down a few prospects that we would like to see the Suns draft in that situation. I'm Charlie Erling, and I have Mitch Krumpetich and David McGraw with me today. What's up, guys? You know, not much. I was thinking, because earlier we were talking about having some sort of opener or whatever, and I was thinking of what we could do with that and trying to be clever. And just once again, that's just going nowhere for me, so... And uh, this is Mitch speaking. I realize that we like always go in the wrong order from how you introduce us, so I want to make sure that's clear. But I'm doing well. Well, that's good to hear, guys. I, I'm a little <laughs> sad that you didn't bring anything new for me, but well, okay. If you want something new, um, I can do this. Last week we talked about the Suns needing a new announcer because Steve Albert retired, and they chose Kevin Ray the usual sideline reporter uh personally i am not super in favor of this move because i'm not a big k ray fan there is a positive though we get to see Lindsay smith on the sideline a lot more but what do you guys think about <laughs> k ray being the play-by-play guy is that my cue to talk about k ray or are we just gonna keep sure. going <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like kind of rolling with it now because is K Ray really that bad? Like, is he? No, he's not you that know, bad. You know, tight shirt aside, <laughs> I really don't mind the guy. And mainly, I'm just happy we we kept it close to home with our hire. We have someone who's been with the Suns organization, with Fox Sports doing his thing. So I'm happy we're keeping it local at least. Yeah, as long as he good. keeps Eddie happy, that's all I care about. So, Yeah. I'm a little nervous, yeah. though. Yeah, we've seen Eddie and K-Ray throw some jabs back and forth, so hopefully that means there's some chemistry that we just haven't got to see all of lately. So hopefully that's the case. Make sure to get a hold of us on social media. Our Twitter is at SunnyInPHXPod. Our email is SunnyInPHXPod at gmail.com. And check us out over at our new host, the Deepish Thoughts Podcast Network over at deepishthoughts.com. Thanks for listening to the Sunny and Phoenix Podcast. If you'd like to further support the show, you can head over to tpublic.com slash user slash sunny in PHX. That's T-E-E-Public.com slash user slash sunny in PHX. We've got t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. You can get our famous cheese is warming up design or just one that says Sunny and PHX. Again, tpublic.com slash user slash Sunny and PHX. And go Suns! Okay, so this week we thought we would hop into some draft talk, and rather than do the whole Markel Fultz versus Lonzo Ball debate, we decided to go in a bit of a different direction. So let's say the Suns happen to slip to the third pick in the lottery, or maybe we land the second pick and we trade back. But either way... Ball and Fultz are off the board. And I think the main guy that we want to talk about is Josh Jackson. So how about you start off with him, David? Yeah, you know, we have been high on the Josh Jackson bandwagon for most of 
the season, I feel like. There were a couple of questions here or there, and us wanting him to kind of get things together when some stuff was coming out, but he is just who we believe is the third best player in this draft. He has great two-way potential. He's probably going to come in as a great defender right away. I think you guys would agree, if I were to say, I guess is the words to use, that like just not to overthink it this dude is the third best player in the draft just pick him if you're at three like whoever is at three it should be josh jackson just because he is there he is that two-way player he has a lot of versatility there are some questions about his jump shot but you know those are kind of here or there and there is a lot of upside with him in general and i think he's got a pretty high floor as well so yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, quickly, I want to shout out Draft Express. I'm sure everyone's heard of it, but this is the time of the year where Draft Express becomes like my most viewed website, and uh, they do a lot of great pro and con videos and comparison videos, so definitely check out his video. It highlights a lot of his offensive game and uh his defense is is also very strong so check that out but um he's very explosive very athletic great defender great footwork already and he only played one year of college um he just brings a lot of energy to the team as well something that i want to coin as jizzle jazzle to the team you know mitch i agree with you we could really use some of that jizzle jazzle style here in phoenix I just really like a lot of the things that he brings to the table. That athleticism is probably the – it has to be the first thing that jumps off the page to everybody. We've seen those dunks and the chase down blocks. I mean, that's that's just what leaps off the page for that guy. And really getting to the basket, I like how he can get himself to the rim. And he's bringing it hard when he does. And you can see him throw down some dunks even with some guys – crowding the hoop there so that's just exciting to watch and we could really use a true athlete at our small forward position depending on what you think the future of Derek Jones Jr. is I we can all agree that Jackson has a higher upside than him so oh yeah easily yeah without a doubt so my one beef with Jackson is that free throw shooting percentage tallied a 56.6% from the line this year. Uh, And otherwise, the shooting numbers weren't terrible or anything, but that free throw percentage is a little bit troubling. I know that when you look at those free throw percentages and see how they move on to the NBA, it's shown that guys with higher free throw percentage make better NBA three-point shooters. And with that... It's a couple extra feet back, and you really have to be conscious of your form so you're not heaving shots. It has to be a natural motion. So it all starts with that free throw. So that's that's one of my gripes about Jackson. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, and I mean, not only just like three-point percentage, but just shooting percentages normally in general by that free throw percentage because, as you just said, the form and – while that is a little terrifying, his shot isn't necessarily broken. Uh, unlike someone Balls. who, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to say that nicely, but there's not any way. So, 
Yo, yeah. I heard there was a big baller brand uh, jump shot tutorial video. It's out for two hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> you guys should probably go check that out. Yeah, you got to. I feel like the video that. tutorial would be like seven hundred dollars, but the audio is the two hundred dollar one. Gotcha. <laughs> the audio is two hundred. The actual video on top of it doubles the price. <laughs> so if you go. want both, it's nine hundred. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the jumper's not broken by any means. He he has a bit of a low start to his jumper, and it is a bit of a push jumper, just a little bit. But that's something if you if you watch his form, it's something that a kink, one little twist to it could really fix it up, and maybe that won't be a problem at the next level for him. But that's something we'll have to find out. And then let's uh, move things over to. The other small forward in discussion for one of these high lotto picks, Jason Tatum, the 6'8 small forward out of Duke. And from what I've seen out of Tatum, I think he's a he's the kind of guy that can make an impact for whatever offense for whatever team drafts him this season. The guy's smooth. He can create his own shots. He's an ice like we know that he's a good ISO player. He can make his own shot. He can get to the rim. But some of the things I've I think the footwork is what impresses me most with Tatum, and especially when he gets down in the post even. Uh, at 6'8", that's that's enough size to play some power forward to deserve some time in the post, and he's got a nice wingspan on him too. It's about 7 feet. So I, I just like that. That's, that's still something the Suns don't have is a low post presence, even though we did see a bit of Chris working in the post, just a little bit, but... I like that out of Tatum, how he can play both the three and the four. I think of him like a an ideal stretch four, and I compare him to a, a very less athletic Jabari Parker. It's kind of how I've been picturing Tatum's game translating to the pros. And that makes me think of a, a lineup where we stretch things out, maybe throw Chris in at center, Tatum at the four, just really stretch things out and say... I, that just would really open some lanes for some drives, so that's what I'd like. That's what I like about Tatum. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I like Tatum too, and it's really interesting to compare his numbers to Jackson's because they're super similar. Um, the The main difference I see is that he's not as good of a defender, and uh, you know, Jackson is pretty versatile. He can defend the low post pretty well, and he can defend the perimeter pretty well. Um, We saw Tatum struggle with post defense, but still I think they're super similar, and I really like the idea of spacing out the floor and putting Chris at the five. Um, I mean, I don't think Jackson would be able to do that because of the shooting and everything, but uh, I I don't know. Both of these guys are just – I think they're both going to be great. Yeah, you know, I think that there is the one major upside with Tatum is that offensive game. Um, It's definitely more polished. He has a very polished NBA-ready offensive game. And while NBA-ready can mean a lot of things, it it definitely explains Tatum. And depending on how much you weigh age and on that, getting him at basically an entire year under Josh Jackson with this young core that the Suns have, that could sway a lot of things, if depending on how you view that and even how the front office views that. The only problem is is that even though Tatum does have that 
better offensive game. I think their defensive games are just not comparable. And I don't, I, that's not necessarily a huge crazy thing to say. Josh Jackson is a guy that'll probably be able to guard one through four without a, without really a problem. And that kind of versatility is just way more important right now in the game. And even if Jackson can't do that, if he can guard maybe two through four or one through three, that is going to be that is going to really be needed in the NBA. And that's one of the main reasons why I can see most teams or all teams going with 100% Jackson over Tatum. And I, I especially look at the Suns because we sucked so bad on defense for the past, like, three years. You know, I, I don't want to hold back. We were terrible. And, uh, I, you know, I just think defense needs to be a bit more of a focus, and that's why I'm so high on Josh Jackson. Right. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd really like to debate that Tatum is going to be the better player overall. But when it does come to that defense, that's the real sticky point. I think, and, and while we're talking about offense, the, the the Jackson shooting form and the free throw percentage, I just mentioned that, but that really hangs me up. I'm That, that makes me nervous for a, for a player who's going to be playing on the wing who you can't rely on to knock down open jumpers. I'm just not, I'm not too sold on that. But if he's going to be a defensive stopper, a guy that can shut down some guys, I'd say I'd change my opinion a little bit, but I'm pretty up in the air. I mean, you also have to look, though, that Josh Jackson has the other aspects of offense. He's better at, I think, than Tatum when it comes to um, ball movement and those kind of things. I think he's better than Tatum at those. Those do play a big role, and you've got to look at some of these other small forwards in the league. I mean... There are a lot of people that wouldn't trust Giannis Antetokounmpo to take that open jumper or anything, but he can do everything else so well that it just doesn't matter. Right. Well, and we've been calling for playmaking so much too, a.k.a. passing to Booker. And Jackson <laughs> averaged three assists per game in college. I believe Tatum was 2.2, but uh, it's not a huge difference, but still in college that's a bigger difference. Um so I, I like Jackson's playmaking a lot more, too. Right, and Jackson also, I believe, had more rebounds per game than Tatum, and he's a guy that can just grab the rebound and take it up the court himself. Great yep. ball handling skills for a small forward. Yeah, and in transition I mean, especially. He's not a guy that would box out for Russell Westbrook to grab the rebound <laughs> and then go. He can grab it and take it himself and get us in the offense in just the same amount of time as anyone else. Well, to be fair, he could be one of those guys like Russell Westbrook where you want him to initiate the offense and run it up the court and either get the fast break point or just pass it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Tyson Chandler would love boxing people out and not grabbing the rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, but while we're talking about these two still, I feel like for a while we've just been kind of brushing over all the off-the-court stuff with Josh Jackson, but I think now might be a good time to bring that in. Do you think that any of that stuff will play a role in his draft stock? You know, I think it might have already happened. He used to be the, like, maybe towards the beginning of the year, 
I remember him being the number one prospect and the number one in a lot of mock drafts. Okay. So I think maybe, you know, maybe that combined with the uprising of Fultz and Ball throughout the season, I think maybe the timing had something to do with that, but that could have dropped him a little bit in just that aspect. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I I, I have to agree with Chuck here. I think that if probably some of those things didn't come out about the stuff that was going on, it wouldn't be the craziest thing to have him going at number two after ball. But now it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, I just kind of go with the tried and true with ball and just start there and don't really try and go for the more home run play possibly in Josh Jackson. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, well, that that is a good point. So let's keep it moving. And, Mitch, I know you have your eye on Zach Collins, and on this podcast you're obviously the source for everything Gonzaga basketball. So let's hear it. Yes. Well, Zach Collins is Gonzaga's one and only one-and-done player so far, which is saying a lot because he came off the bench and he averaged 10 points a game. If he would have played one more year, he would have started and dominated conference play for sure, but he would have dominated in general. Um, I kind of expected him to do that because that was the situation with Sabonis. Sabonis had a great freshman year coming off the bench, started his sophomore year because Shemek Karnowski was hurt and just stole the show. Went to the draft, got drafted at 11. Um, But Collins decided to leave even though he came off the bench. But he just played really well. His footwork is awesome. He's seven feet tall. He's got a good shot. Um, It's Again, I got to compare it to Sabonis. We didn't see Sabonis shoot from outside very much in college. Same with Collins. Pretty much the way the Gonzaga offense works is the only time that the big guys are off the block – they're just at the top of the key swinging the ball when the play gets started at first so we know Collins has uh low post touch and good moves down there we've seen him shoot mid-range a little bit and from three a little bit he hit a couple pretty clutch threes as well which is really cool to see but there's just a lot of unknowns about that shot he plays really good defense as well but you have to keep in mind he was playing against a lot of teams' second units, and when you're playing teams like Portland and Pepperdine and San Diego, like I hate to make this argument because when other people do it, I get mad, but I'm going <laughs> to make it. Um, it. It's easy to play good defense on people like that, but he also played really well in the tournament against good teams. Um, so there's just a lot of intangibles there. He's rising up the draft board just because of that. Uh, He's a smart player as well, Uh, sees the floor well, pretty good passer. Um, I don't think he's as good of a passer as some of the former Gonzaga bigs, but still a good passer. Um, Right now, Draft Express has him going at 11 to the Hornets, which would be cool, but uh, I think there's a couple other good fits since he is rising, such as 9 to the Mavericks. He'd be a good fit there. The Kings need kind of everything at eight, so that's possible if uh, Jonathan Isaac and possibly Lowry Markinen are gone. I'm kind of not sold on Markinen. He's good, but whatever. We'll get there later. 
Um, I also think it's possible this would be a bit of a stretch, but for the Timberwolves to take Collins at six if they really wanted to uh, take a chance there. Uh, so I would just watch out for Collins. He's a great player to watch, and uh, I just wish him the best wherever he goes. All right, before I tell you you're wrong, Mitch, <laughs> um, well, am I crazy to think that Gonzaga just looked a lot more dynamic when Collins was on the floor? No, you're not at all. So I, well, I know it's this tradi- it's tradition and all that other stuff, but why didn't he just start over the dude that's like 26 and balding? <laughs> Shemek Karnowski. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, really, I think the reason he didn't is because it's an intimidation factor to put Shemek out there because he's like 7'1 and 300 pounds. Um, but to bring a guy like Collins off the bench, who's going to be a top, who's going to be a lottery pick, like no team's second unit could hang with him. So I think that's why we did it. I mean, like the intimidation, except thing, for North Carolina, like, can work on the whole, you know, bench thing and having him be on your bench and come out and be your mob, your no goon squad, not mob squad, whatever. Yeah, but. I don't know. I definitely thought that whenever watching Gonzaga, it just looked like you were a much more dynamic team and you had such a higher ceiling when Zach Collins was on the floor that it was always really frustrating to yeah. like watch him come off the bench and watch Karnowski not like start and it was be slow and be slow and be muddled and not like do fine but like uh, it, it was just one of those things that was frustrating for me, and I feel like I if yeah. I, I feel like if I was watching Gonzaga during Sabonis's rookie season, and that was like the same mo, I would have been pulling my hair out. Oh yeah, oh we were too, because <laughs> everyone wanted Sabonis to start. Um, but there's a couple things here. One, Shemek was a great passer, and so he would be able to get our guards going a lot. He would like demand a double team. And then he would pass out, and we could get a couple quick threes early. Um, so he was a great way to get our guards started. And then uh, also Collins often would play more minutes than Karnowski, or they would play together. Um, so even though Collins didn't start, he there were a lot of games where he played more minutes, or like very similar minutes to Karnowski. Okay, that's fair. And now my final just spot why would you take him over lori markinen or jonathan isaac that seems crazy okay (laughs) so the only reason i would say this is because there's a lot of unknowns we've seen what those guys can do a little bit more than collins and if a team wants to take a risk on a guy that they don't believe they've seen everything from and that they can develop more then they might want to that's all I got. Okay. So I was gonna, so I was gonna ask. Do you think Collins do you think Collins is more of a center or a power forward in the NBA? Uh I think immediate he can, and long term. I think he can really do either. But I think right now, the way that the NBA is trending, he'll play center. Okay. And yeah, if if we're talking about any guy that we'd like to see play center, I mean if we draft them, that will be a definite 
forward to what's going to happen with Alex Len. Right. Well, Th- that's that something brings, I'd really like to see. Like, man, yeah. we just drafted a, a big in the draft. What's happening to Len now? So guys like Markinen or Isaac, I just I just don't know what to think if we were to draft one of those guys. Yeah. Well, and that brings up my biggest fear, and that's that Zach Collins just turns into Alex Len because that's the worst case scenario that I can see happening. (laughs) (laughs) War of Alex Len. Yeah, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think that'll happen, but it makes me real nervous sometimes. (laughs) That's rough. That's rough. Poor Alex. He's crying somewhere in his Lamborghini or (laughs) Ferrari. In a casino. While he's awaiting his $15 million per year contract to come in this off season. We'll see what happens. So uh, let's keep it moving. David, I hear there's a guy in the Kentucky backcourt that you might consider with a pick like this. Yes, there is. And it is, of course, De'Aaron Fox. I guess it could have been Malik Monk, but Fox is the better player and I think the consensus better player out of the two. So we're just going to yeah. pretend that uh, that he's the only one there that you could talk about. Um, a very athletic guy, a very high upside guy for the possibility of both sides of the floor. If you watch his play, it's kind of Westbrook-esque with the ability to get steals off of double team, um, the ability to run down the court, the ability to just run at the basket and score, and has some pretty good passing in general too it's not on the level of Fultz or ball but still pretty solid in general and that was something that was a real real hiccup kind of coming in was his ability to do more than just score but I really like the guy I think that part of that was just watching him throughout the tournament and kind of just go all out and be willing to score and not kind of defer kind of like Lonzo Ball did, and I thought that really showed, especially in that Kentucky-UCLA game, where it felt like Fox kind of just took over the game, whereas Lonzo Ball kept on just passing and passing, because of course that's what he does, and that's kind of his game, but Fox was has a lot more of that, and I think just his potential is really good. He's six three and a half, I think, 180, so could be a little heavier, but not really like too light or anything has a good body and i just watching the athleticism is something that you can really get entranced with and all that and the westbrook comparison while of course westbrook is an mvp candidate the possibility of him getting to even like a couple steps down from that level is something that i think as a suns fan would be fantastic and Kind of my last thing on why I think this could legitimately be a thing is that we've already come out, the front, we haven't. The front office has kind of already come out and talked about how Westbrook <laughs> was thought of as a reach at the number three pick in the 2008 draft, I think it was, 2007, 2008 draft, one of those. And when he was drafted, he was thought of as a reach, and now he's an MVP candidate. And so. The front, the front office basically said that they're going to pick who they think is the best player, not just because of where they are ranked um, by people on the internet. So 
I think just that alone makes me have this gut feeling that we might be preparing to take Fox. And, you know, Gambo from Arizona Sports, the local radio down here, said something about how Ball is number one on the Suns board. Maybe we're just throwing curveballs all over the place. Oh, I hope so. McDonough's just keeping it quiet like usual. That's what I like to think, at least. But, yeah, back to Fox here. The guy is just a blur with the ball, which is a lot of fun to watch, and it kind of reminds you of uh, a guy like Bledsoe on the fast break, a guy like Barbosa on the fast break, just to compare him to some sons in that aspect. But, you know, he really tries to force that fast play style when it's not there sometimes. I've seen a lot of that while watching his tape. But that's something he can definitely get fixed up. It's just a... just needs to learn to be a little more patient and you know he's not a he's not a great jump shooter but there's parts to his jump shot that look really nice that look like you know kind of like with Jackson just one tweak could really fix them some things up for him and once you're working with an NBA shooting coach development coach those are definitely attainable things so I could definitely see the jumper coming around I don't expect him to turn into a lights out shooter in his career but definitely some improvement there is necessary yeah and you know it's kind of interesting to just hear interviews with him because he seems like just a really good kid in general and when it comes to that jump shot that wasn't really a concern necessarily going into this college season and it doesn't seem to really be a big concern with fox either in a recent interview he said that it was a lot of nerves that really kind of hampered his shooting percentages and that he's not worried about fixing his shot because he knows it's there and that confidence just really kind of goes along with kind of that like Westbrook mentality that mentality of like it does like I'm still gonna go out and I'm gonna go balls to the wall not worry about it and that's also something else that like I really enjoy you're right. I may have seen that same interview, and definitely a good kid. Uh, fun to listen to, and you know, you know, just when you can watch someone, hear them talk, unless you're getting conned, you can tell that the guy's pretty cool. So, as long as he's not a con man, one of those, one of those sketchy dudes. But plus, no, I, I think he's going to be a good guy and have a good career. Plus, his Instagram and Twitter, I think, also his username is Swipe of the Fox like from Dora the Explorer oh my God. and I kind of think it's hilarious and it makes me laugh every single time I see it well fair enough <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh we're getting we're winding down here but one more guy that I like and we've talked about before Laurie Markinen. just a dead-eye shooter pretty mobile for his size and I, I know some people, there's a stereotype where they consider European players soft, but I, I really don't have that thought against Markinen. You can see him banging down low for rebounds or in the post a little bit, and those obviously aren't his strengths in his game, but he's shown that he's willing to do it, and that's something that can improve with time. And, man, I just I really like the idea of some pick and pops with Markinen really stretching out the floor maybe some Channing Fry memories come up when I when I believe when I think of that so 
that'd be fun to see back. We haven't quite seen that out of Bender or Chris yet. They're not really great floor stretchers at this point. Chris a little more so than Bender as we speak, but we'll see about that. But I think Markinen could be, uh, I mean, as blatant as this comparison is, I think he could be the next Dirk. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, I, I think that for once the next Dirk or the comparison to Dirk isn't a lazy comparison because I feel like it's pretty legitimate with Markinen. I watched a lot of Arizona games this year, and I really fell in love with the guy. Just the another one of those things about the offensive versatility. He has quick enough feet where he looks like he's not going to get killed in the pick and roll on defense. He could get rebounds here or there, I think, in the elimination game. Uh, I don't remember how many exactly, but he was especially like going after rebounds and getting them and hit, tapping them out if need be. I really like the guy, and I think that it's not a really a stretch to consider taking him at number four if Josh Jackson is off the table. And I said that earlier in the year, and I still stand by it. I think that Markkinen has the potential to be a fantastic player. I think Markkinen could be anywhere between Jakob Pertl and Dirk. So, that's quite the range. I wouldn't be mad if we got him by any means because it fills a need, and if we think he's the best at that spot, then cool. But I just think I'd rather have a guy like Jason Tatum rather than Markinen this year. And Zach Collins, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay, so my one thing is, is Markinen... Is he a potential center in the NBA, or is he going to just be more of a stretch forward type guy? I'd like to, uh, I'd like to know that before we get into the draft here. I wonder if he can hang with some of the centers in the league. I mean, obviously matched up against DeAndre Jordan might be a tough handle for him right away. That's a tough handle for. I'd like most to see if he could make that in the league for every center. Yeah, but. Just just a comparison to him versus some well-muscled dude. Just doesn't look good right now. But he's got time to put on some weight. We'll see what happens. So, David, yeah. another another big, long dude that you like in the draft. Jonathan Isaac, what do you think about him? Jonathan Isaac is interesting. Um, he's listed as a small forward, power forward, uh, being able to jump between those roles. He had a pretty good season at Florida State, and he showed a lot of different things that he could do. He's got a lot of potential on the defensive end of being able to do a little bit of everything, and on the offensive end, too. And I think that the comparison to a 6'11 Draymond Green isn't that much of a stretch, but I'm really under the impression that if you're going to pick a big or a guy that can be a power forward, you pick Markinen. So that as, as much as I like the idea of Isaac, I like the idea of Isaac. We're not really going to pick any further back than five. And I think that at that point that, that Isaac is a stretch with everyone else who will be on the board. Yeah. I see Isaac like a guy that might have some troubles really finding the proper position to play in the NBA, like a, a true tweener. 
that really can't take advantage of either position he gets matched up at. And he seems like a guy that can do a lot of things on the court for a team, but, you know, like, not quite Giannis level. Nothing along those lines, but kind of a jack-of-all-trades. So it'll be definitely interesting to see where he falls. Yeah, I think that whoever ends up drafting him, it's going to be a very similar situation for position-wise, I should say, for as Aaron Gordon. As Aaron Gordon. I said that really weird. Um, not necessarily the play style, but just similarly, Gordon is a guy that the Magic are have struggled since they drafted him to figure out where to play him. And I think finally decided that he should play power forward. And I kind of feel like that's where Isaac is going to end up, is power forward. And that that will be where he's able to excel the most because of just kind of that jack-of-all-trades style of play. Yeah, I, that all makes sense, and I think Isaac is just another one of those guys, kind of like how I said Collins has a lot of unknowns with him. I think that's the same thing for Isaac, because Florida State came out of nowhere a little bit in college this year. I didn't think they were going to be nearly as good as they were. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. All right, good stuff. So, guys, I think it's time for us to end the show the way we always do. It's time for David's Comic Book Corner, Mitch's Face Melting Minute, and then I'll come up with something random. <laughs> how about uh, how about Mitch starts this time? Ooh, switching it up. Uh, so, in, in um, the same vein of switching it up, I am switching up my plug this week and i think i might start plugging more movies actually because i'm really into horror movies and i don't plug nearly enough so this weekend i watched the witch i'm way behind on new horror movies so i finally watched that one and it was really really good i recommend watching it with subtitles on and don't expect it to be like a jump scare like be freaked out the whole time kind of movie it's very atmospheric Um, All of the light is natural because it's like 1600s New England. And uh, they did a really good job with like the the script being based on historical documents and the natural light and just kind of telling a story of what it was like to live in those times. And then you have all the uh, Salem Witch Trial stuff thrown in there too. Uh, Really, really good movie. The acting was great too. So I highly recommend The Witch good stuff all right david how about you uh i don't know what you plan on doing but you better plug that new podcast yeah that's what i'm doing so you know we kind of did a soft launch of a new podcast this weekend um called up geek creek up geek creek just in case i said that a little too fast so basically it's kind of this nerd geek culture podcast or really just a podcast where we can kind of talk about anything chuck and mitch are going to be on there maybe alternating maybe at the same time kind of just mixing it up a bunch there'll be some other type of guests and stuff on there it's really about just being able to talk about all the things that we like and what we can kind of nerd out about or geek out about to start something out where we could talk about something more than just basketball even though basketball is such a huge part of all of our lives that uh we could do something else and I started off 
this first week reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All my thoughts are there. You just have to look up Up Geek Creek Pod on uh, YouTube. It's just on there. It will be on SoundCloud when I get around to it. And I'm going to figure out how to start up an iTunes because we never actually had to do that while (laughs) we've been doing this because of (laughs) uh, having some help in some other spots. So I'm going to be doing that, getting that up on there. Up Geek Creek. It's a lot of fun. And go check it out and say hey. Good stuff. Yeah, and we'll be plugging that further as we go on i'm sure we we'll keep those i may or may up. not have that as just my plug from now on so don't sue me <laughs> that's fair that's e- that'll be easy for you too it's one less thing you'll have to worry about so and, and you know i don't have much but it was 108 degrees the other day here in phoenix so just a quick shout out to all the restaurants and shops that have the cool water misters going outside that's all i got <laughs> love you guys <laughs> And, yeah, that's going to do it. Be sure to check us out. Social media. Our Twitter handle is at SunnyInPHXPod. Our email is SunnyInPHXPod at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in next week. Go Suns. Go Suns.